Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on September the 29th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the new squirrel god. Caffeine Rage. Bow before my squirrels. (laughs) On today's episode, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played. We're going to be discussing the September Game Club, which is City Skylines. We're going to reveal the October Game Club for this year. A judge in the Apple Fortnite case slams Epic's tactics. Amazon announces a new cloud gaming service called Luna, and if time allows, we'll be having a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello. Hello. Yeah, we've got some very interesting Franken content. We cover the gamut from COVID news and politics to making up squirrel gods. (laughs) I mean, it's not as good as uh, my clown dads, but it's up there. Squirrel gods. My 10 gay clown dads. Yes, no, you're right. You're right. I was about to defend... Uh, my, my 10 gay squirrel dads. <laughs> oh, shit. They're moving down the street. This is season two. They're moving down the street from my 10 gay clown dads. And the 10 gay squirrel dads. Are they actual squirrels? Or are they like dads that dress like squirrels? No, they're just giant squirrels. <laughs> they're oh. not even tiny squirrels. They're... Uh, human-sized squirrels. But it's norm- they have normal human children. How does that happen? Nobody knows. That It's never explained, ever, in the show. The gay clown dads and the, the squirrel dads like get into those weird like dad-off competitions. See like who can grill better and who mows a better yard. Yeah, I imagine that the squirrel dads would uh, just, uh, during the grilling episode, would just combust. Possibly. Or they'd spend I- the whole episode throwing nuts at the grill. <laughs> trying to start a fire. Uh, of course, one episode has to evolve around uh, furries uh, moving into the neighborhood. Oh, damn. And they have crushes on all the squirrel dads. All the furries have massive crushes on the squirrel dads, but they're dumb and they don't realize that they're actual squirrels. They keep trying to get them to take the costumes off. But oh, they we've, oh, we've successfully written season two. <laughs> season two of my 10 gay clown dads. The squirrel family and the furries move in down the street. And the furries are across the street from the squirrels. Right. And and of course, the clown dads don't think it's weird at all. None of this is weird to them. It's just like, oh, well, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't notice that they were squirrels and people in furry costumes the whole time. Or we could make it so that the furries are also... Uh, have you seen this movement? And I know this is probably going to get cut for Franken content. So it won't. Hell? It's going in. Have you seen the fur right movement? It's no. extremist furries. No, I thought I was actually pretty in tune with the furry culture. I guess not. I don't. I don't understand the kids these days. Yeah, it's Nazi furries. Oh shit! How is that even compatible? How does that work? How is one a Nazi and a furry? They both like to dress up. <laughs> I guess. I'm I don't I don't know if I'm gonna regret this or not. It's Nazi fur- furries. Right. The, the furred Reich. Yes. The truth about Nazi furries and the all right. This is a I've never heard of this website before. It's <laughs> called the New Statesman. Don't know. Truth about Nazi furries and the alt right. 
I'm not sure this is legit. This is something that Adita ran into at some point. I mean, I these know. are people in wearing fursuits that have... Oh, wait, no, those are like paw prints that are supposed to be where the swastikas would be on the SS outfits. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, we don't have, I don't have time to read this whole thing right <laughs> now. But I have another rabbit hole to go down later, or rather a fur, furry hole. I don't, I don't know. I don't, uh, life has no meaning. God is dead. Life has no meaning. No, God's not dead. We went over this. He just has the power over squirrels. <laughs> Oh, God help our listeners. Send some squirrels to their houses or apartments so that they can get past what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing anymore. If, if, a, squirrel, if a squirrel bursted, just starts gnawing on your headset uh, cord, just go with it. I had a teacher in high school who she she was my Spanish teacher and she wrote like she, she you know, she was a musician at heart and she produced her own albums this would would have been somewhere between 10 and 15 years ago so i don't think that was as common then and she had a song about squirrels because her dad was a pest control man Uh and so she had this song about squirrels that would like that like invaded her house and lived in her attic i don't i don't know why i'm i don't i don't know life has no meaning we're all gonna die hurtling towards the sun don't don't worry about it this or, is I don't think this cracks the top 10 for weirdest intros that we've done and it definitely doesn't cr- crack the top 10 of recent episodes in terms of how long it takes us to actually start the show after we start the show. There was one that was like 18 minutes a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I'm sorry, dear listener. I'm not, but also I am. I promise I'm not drunk or high right now. It's just the world is a strange place. Yeah, very very strange. And also, yeah, I'm reading a couple highlights off the debate, and who, yeah, we're recording this as the first presidential debate goes on. So, oh boy, <laughs> uh, you know what? I forgot about that, and now that I know that it's going on, I feel sad inside. Oh, don't worry, you get to watch all the tidbits tomorrow. I will indeed. We still have to have our conversation re- about when we're going to record that extra yeah. episode and what yeah. we're going to do election night because that's a Tuesday. Uh, yeah, we might have to do uh, uh, Franken content that week. I don't know. It's going to be too tense, perhaps. That's probably we'll, a good we'll, idea, because we'll, I'm going to be we'll glued figure. to watching it. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure out something. But let's just put it this way. I'll I'll give you a little bit of hope in life. Biden actually told Trump to shut up. Ooh. Spicy. <laughs> so spicy. All right. Let's 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 talk about games. Let's talk. Let's let's do our show. Let's do our show. Hey, Rage, what games did you play this week? Oh, well, I played one main one and, of course, went some more on the on our uh, game club game. But the main one that I played that we're not talking about just yet is Crusader Kings 3. This is on Game Pass currently. Uh, As of recording this, none of the DLC is out, but also Game Pass typically doesn't give the DLC. so. Yeah, it's best really just to hop on it right now. So I got to admit, I have the first two, but I've never really put a lot of time into them. And I've tried doing Paradox Strategy before, Paradox Grand Strategy. And there's usually too many moving parts for me to really be able to jump into. So Crusader Kings was one of those games I've balked at quite a few times of, you know, 
getting a deep dive into, but it's it's a lot. I don't want to say simpler because that really doesn't do the game justice. It's there's fewer individual moving parts at the onset, and it has a better build up to a mid game where you're managing more than just a handful of things than like Hearts of Iron did, where I was trying to figure out factories and production lines and also research technology and watch the world slowly spiral into chaos. And then there, uh, then, uh, you know, Hearts of Iron was also, you know, about going into the world war two, but that's beside the point. Right. Uh, but, uh, Crusader Kings, well, we both played this the last two weeks together, and we've also played separately. So this is kind of like a mini game club as well. It's about ruling a... Well, it's about a dynasty. It doesn't necessarily have to be a single country. It can actually slowly transition as you lose power in one country and rise in another, or what we could think of at today as countries. This is really before the modern concept of a sovereign state. Instead, it is the royal family or dynasty of whatever. Yeah. The the game, it, it it's... So I played, I very, very briefly played Crusader Kings 2 to have a slight amount of comparison. The broad strokes are the same. Crusader Kings 3 is way better in terms of how it handles everything. Yeah, I would um, say that it sing- does intrigue a lot better. And also... Uh, one of the main things they added going to three is hooks, which basically is a favor or a piece of information that you have on someone that they don't want to get out. Like you might find out about someone's secret lover where you could use that as leverage against them to blackmail them, to get a hook that you could force them to do something that they otherwise wouldn't want to do. Like if you get a hook on one of your vassals, be able to use that to change their contract to be more favorable towards you. So you get more levies or uh, troops or more taxation. Yeah. If you've, if, if you ever watched or read game of Thrones and thought, huh, Tywin Lannister, that's the guy that I want to be. That's essentially what this game is. You're trying to build, like you said, a, a family dynasty, and you know it goes through through periods of rise and fall. But you always want your dynasty to continue and work on building a better, stronger one by doing things like arranging marriages, uh, you know, marrying off your kids to form alliances or to seed children in another location to in another you know country or another you know in another family to try and take it over with their children, um, you know, to take their lands, declaring wars that honestly are kind of pointless, except to gain one scrap of land or to have a chance to murder someone in combat. Um, or resources because yeah. there's also raiding and uh, looting of uh, villages as well. Um Yeah. But you know, some like sometimes when we played, you you joined a war and sent somebody who was in a faction, like forming a faction against you, off to war to get them killed. And when you got them killed, you're like, "All right, I'm going home." You know, <laughs> mission accomplished. And and like it's it's very strange because you think of children and really everyone that's not you as a resource to be spent to gain more power. It's a very strange mindset to get in, but if you really get into it, it it makes the game a very interesting proposition. And you can do things like 
try to sort of go against the times and create gender equality in your medieval society. But doing so is very hard, and you need yeah, to do it's things like battle all the way. Yeah, or um, uh, or be opening uh, openly ex- accepting of homosexuality. Yes, especially if you're of the Catholic faith, which this uses uh, medieval and pre-medieval, you know, gender roles and uh, uh, mindsets. Uh, so it could be quite sexist. <laughs> on, yes, uh, but it on how it treats people. But it yes, and it doesn't pull its punches in any way. You can murder children if you want to. Um, oh, the trailer has an assassin murdering a baby. Oh, I haven't watched the trailer. Yeah, the, yes. yeah, the announcement trailer was talking about how this uh, baby just born has this uh, awesome future ahead of it of uh, being a ruler. But then an assassin comes by and drops a bag with a fucking snake in it into the cradle. Dang. But yeah, you can you can murder children. You can force. Uh, I mean, you can actually like if your person has the right character traits, you can rape people. Um, you can torture them and get like graphic descriptions of torture as well. Uh, and you can um, have incestuous relationships, either on accident, which is strange, or on purpose, um, depending on what your your motives might be. And you can do that for quote unquote good or bad. Like if you are in this situation where that you don't have um, an, an heir that bears your last name, you can have an incestuous relationship in order to get an heir that has your last name. Um, or you can use that as a way to ruin someone because then you can do that and then blackmail them with that information. If you've got the right uh, character traits. So I guess that's something I've really talked about yet. There are these sorts of like schools of, uh, learning or no what does it call them are they just uh, traits uh, they're just traits but there's both positive and negative traits and they not only reflect on your character stats so like uh, there might be mundane things like uh so i don't know mundane but someone might be statistic where they enjoy inflicting harm or they might be generous where it impacts how much people likes them, but it also impacts uh, how much uh, tax revenue you uh, actually have coming into the, your treasury because you're too busy giving it out. But these also impact the choices that you could have in different events, but it also impacts your what choices are best for your character, which is something new in Crusader Kings 3 as well, is that there's the idea of stress for your character. So if you have a very honest, loyal uh, character and an event comes up where you have an option to get ahead, but you have to do something dishonest, well, this character is going to fret over that and build up stress. And if you do that too much, it could cause a negative event to happen. And there are ways to get away from, or to, you know, to de-stress depending on, once again, your traits, different uh, options may pop up. Uh, you could go on a hunt, uh, which costs gold as well, and other resources. You could go on a pilgrimage, uh, to, but that uh, also requires gold. But, yeah. So... <laughs> it, 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 it forces a little bit more role play than the previous versions from when I've played. 
So to to really put that into perspective, I had one of the people, one of the rulers in my dynasty, he did have the, I, I think it was an honest trait. Um, but the lifestyle, that was the lifestyle, I think it's the lifestyle. So you, like those big, you know, categories and you pick one and you've got one that sort of gives you, like you get a bonus in being able to pick um, abilities from that, which serve kind of like RPG skill trees, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's lifestyles. Yeah, lifestyles. Uh, they're, so, they're- there's five different ones: learning, subterfuge, uh, stewardship, martial, and diplomacy. Yeah, so I'm I, uh, leaning towards. Uh, sorry, uh, towards one of the five major stats for your characters, which there are a couple other stats for your for characters as well. But, but so also, I. Uh, sorry, I keep cutting you off. But uh, what you uh, what's considered best for your character is also based on how they're educated. So, you know, it starts to tie into how the children are raised, which is more understandable with the whole idea of the family mechanic, where you're not always going to be this character. You're going to have an heir at some point. Hopefully. Yeah. So I had, I had a, uh, one of my, you know, one of the rulers in my dynasty, he did have the honest trait, but because of the person that who I had given for his tutelage, uh, he had really high, stats in the subterfuge so that was my like preferred tree and and so by the time he was you know because i started governing with him at like 17 or 18 and so by the time he was middle-aged i could do like two murder plots at once and had a like a bunch of bonuses that gave me higher success rates for like the you know uh the negative plots to carry out against people so i was like i was building up a ton of land by having all of these assassinations carried out. But my stress levels were rising so quickly because it's like I'm constantly murdering people. Um, So then I made him really pious and I went on enough pilgrimages that he gained a piety trait. So I lost stress from going from doing religious stuff. But then he also became drunk because picking the option for uh, like revelry at feasts like I did it enough times that he gained like a drunkard thing. So I was in like this weird cycle where it was like, do some murders, stress level rises, have a hunt, host a fate feast, get drunk, you know, find a, a new concubine, go, <laughs> go on a pilgrimage, get my stress level down, do some more murders, inherit time. It was a very interesting cycle. I did. I became so, like on, on sort of the piety thing, I became so pious that I started self-flagellating to relieve stress, but I accidentally self-flagellated too much. And that's how I died. I went on a hunt and I got injured on my hunt. And then I came back and I started a murder, murder plot and I got stressed and I hit, you know, stress level three. And it was like, you know, one of the options was self-flagellation to relieve stress. And I did that. But whenever you flagellate, you get a, uh, just like a minor wound, but the wounds stack. And so I already had like enough minor wounds from self-flagellation and hunting that when I did it again, I got a major wound that got infected and I died. <laughs> oh, but it was like, that was like one of the most in, like interesting runs I had with a ruler because of everything that was going on. It was a blast. Well, let's see our first weekend uh, playing this. I was playing a Viking that, I didn't really forge any alliances. I was still trying to figure out the game. So about to, uh, at the two-hour mark where we were about to wrap it up, 
I basically had everyone declare war on me and take over my land. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, my second time around, uh, oh shit, now I'm trying to remember where I was playing. <laughs> uh, I was over in... Uh, 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 I think you were playing as Norway. Yeah, or Sweden. I, I think I was Sweden, actually. Man, maybe. I was doing, yeah, I was doing a bit better. I, uh, I went into it with a couple factions trying to buy power. So I sent a portion of my army off with uh, a handful of knights uh, with the faction leader and by faction leader. I mean, this is the, this is the faction. It was one guy wanting to usurp my throne, send him off to die. You know, eh. uh, <laughs> on a, uh, yeah, uh, a uh, call to arms from an ally. Yeah. Uh, you did your job. Okay, boys, come on home. <laughs> uh, in my single player campaign, I'm actually uh, playing in uh, uh, in Ireland and working to unify Ireland, and I'm most of the way there. But you know, I think time is starting to tick for my uh, king, and uh, I don't have uh, where a single uh, heir gets all my land, so may have to do some assassinations uh, coming up. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I actually haven't had to do a lot of assassinations because I've just been, you know, uh, taking over by just sheer military. My favorite way to take over, honestly, is to play the long game and uh, get them kids out there and get all those claims uh, from from the babies and then and then uh, then get them that way. Although doing that and then assassinating is is fine too, because once you get a a second or a third line in line claim for something. Um, it becomes pretty pretty plausible to do some assassinations and gain yeah, the yeah, title I, that way. I didn't really have anything on my initial start, but uh, once my heir takes over, then uh, yeah, there may be some uh, kinslaying. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, it's a uh, good time. And yeah. there's still a huge section of this game that we haven't explored yet. At least I haven't, because there are um, you can play as an Asian country yeah yeah over in uh india and north Uh, it doesn't go uh, to the far east and And then you can play africa yep and they have different cultural stuff than compared to europe you know you can look at the leaders and look at the different types of um government governments that they have and i mean the feudal system i probably would play out the same in as the way that it works and you know rules for the game but there is tribal and clan ruling systems there's republic or uh, republics as well as feudal systems and then even within those there's variations that you can sort of pick and choose different sort of levels of authority and there's pros and cons to each one um and that's not even touching uh, uh going and being the pope right yeah you can do that yeah oh I have You can play as the uh, Pope or uh, get yourself risen up, I believe, to become Pope. Interesting. I have to try that out too. Yeah, I've I there and there's pros and cons to each one. Like playing as a tribal faction gives you lots of broad sweeping power to do stuff. Because as long as you have the strongest, you know, family, 
you can b- declare war pretty much whenever you want. You don't have to fabricate a complicated Cassus belly. Like one of the wars things that you have available at all times as a tribe is to conquer, just to conquer the land. And you spend some of the appropriate resource and you can declare war and conquer the lands. And tribes can raid. Anyone who's under the feudal system, as far as I have seen so far, can't raid. But tribes are very limited on the way that they can develop their lands. Really, the only way that they can expand is through conquest. Um, because they can't build what are called holdings, which are essentially cities and really important locations, like big churches and things like that. Um, Whereas if you're in the feudal system, under an organized religion, you can develop holdings and build multiple forts and castles on a county, so you can really develop the land you have a lot farther to get more resources out of it. Um, But Okay, uh, well, sorry. uh, uh, Go ahead. Feudal systems, though, use different... Like, there's, there's several currencies in the game um there is uh just straight up gold or or money um then you have what is it renown prestige yeah pristine or prestige um and then there's piety and one other one there's four and depending on what you're trying to do and what government type you're under different ones rise or are spent at different rates so in the tribal system, it uses a lot more of your prestige and not quite as much gold for stuff, which is good because tribes have probably the lowest tax rate of any of the other governments in the game. Um, but then that becomes extremely important that you maintain your sort of cultural power and your uh, prestige and your military power. Otherwise, you start to sort of fall in the tribal ranks and then you're more likely to be attacked. Um but if you're a, a feudal, like to be in a feudal system, you have to be part of an organized religion. Like that's one of the rules to jump to a feudal system. If you're a tribe or a clan um, and organized religions have like the Pope or some type of archbishop or something, yeah, which I looked into it. You can't play as the Pope, but you can build your own religion. Yeah. You can build the squirrel God religion and uh, uh, overthrow the Pope. That is, ext- I I have not been able to develop my own religion. Um, the tribal people I was playing as, I didn't want to convert to Catholicism. That was really the only religion, religion that was around me that I could convert to. I didn't want to do that. But in order to build up enough piety to create an organized religion, unless I had someone who specifically drew the uh, the lifestyle that was the, the religious one, um, it was going to be like 5,000 piety which is insane. The closest I got with uh, my character who was on that, like got on that weird, like cycle of like going on pilgrimages and stuff only got up to like 3000 piety. Maybe if I hadn't self-flagellated to death, I could have made it and organized a religion before I died. (laughs) The self-flagellation religion. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, we were pagan. We, you know, we worshiped uh, Odin. So human sacrifices was one of the base religious tenets. So oh, see, so you should have gotten so much. Po- you should have gotten so much piety uh, for sacrificing yourself. <laughs> that would have been nice. Um, but yeah, so you. I mean, there's a ton of freedom within the game, and there's certain limits. Um, unless you have an appropriate lifestyle, you can only carry out one type of plot at a time. So, you know, like, for example, one of the ones that's not, like, malicious is just called Sway, which is where you try and 
build up a relation, you know, a basic cordial relationship with someone, which improves their opinion of you if they don't like you. But you can't do two sways at the same time, or you can't do a sway and a romance of another character at the same time, unless you have the lifestyle that allows you to do that, which is why it was like a huge fucking deal that I could do two murder plots at once. Like I had a lifestyle perk or whatever that let me do that. And so I was like, well, I'm going to pursue this because this is literally doubling the power I have to change the political landscape. I got to make use of it while I've got a leader that has this. So... Yeah, I will say that there is a couple limitations on what you could play, at least at the time being. Like, you can't go too far down. You can't be a mayor and try to work your way up. You have to start as, I think, a baron. Uh, you also cannot play as the Pope, like I said. Uh, I, I was wrong on that one. Maybe in Crusader Kings 2, you could play the Pope as uh, one of the DLCs. Uh, I'll have to look into that. Uh, you also can't play as any of the Merchant Republics. Or the little small republics. So, you know, there's a handful of uh, things that you can't play as. But, you know, you have pretty much the entire map to toy around with. Yeah. And it's quite quite impressive just, you know, you know and there's it's really kind of a sandbox RPG of, okay, you're put in this world, or you're this character, go do your thing. Like, you know, I set myself the goal of uh, establishing the Kingdom of Ireland, or Unification of Ireland. Mostly because, you know, I was sitting there and it's like, you know, all these greens would be a lot better if they were just one shade. Yeah, you know, much like my governor, right? <laughs> uh, so that was kind of my self-imposed goal. But once you get to the point where you're strong enough to be able to hold your own, then, you know, I... Uh, you could really just kind of you know, see how things play out. Uh, Adida and I uh, uh, kind of set up a game and just set and observed the Norman invasion and saw England actually fight it off, which is you know, quite interesting. Yeah. And a huge deviation from uh, you know, actual history. Yeah. Uh, you can, and, and if you lose, if your dynasty is wiped out, which it probably will be, uh, a few times along the way. Um, you can either start a new game or you can just continue playing as a different dynasty. Um, so one thing that I usually do <laughs> is, it, is the couple of times that I've played in my dynasty has been wiped out. I've chosen whoever took over me and played as them and just seen, you know, what I could do if I could keep going or if I would fuck their stuff up. Usually, though, like I've had a couple of fuck ups I've made on my own for sure, but usually. I'm doing all right, and somebody who's way stronger than me shows up on my doorstep and is like, what up, bitch? And then they, you know, take over my shit. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to lose. Like, if I, I, I most recently, I got into a war with someone who was way more powerful than me. And as soon as they showed up on my doorstep with, you know, 5,000, an army of 5,000 troops, I immediately surrendered and pledged fealty to their king. <laughs> and so, you know, I get to keep playing. I keep all of my holdings, except for the one that they started the war with me over. And uh, now I'm in there. I'm, I'm in their, uh, you know, feudal system. And uh, not much has really changed other than I have to pay some taxes. And now my mission is to take is to assassinate that guy and, and take over the his kingdom. Yeah, which there's actually uh, uh, some lifestyle choices that you can make to make that easier as well. Yeah to be able to try to overthrow uh, your liege. 
It's quite the fascinating little game, huh? Yeah, it can get really confusing though. Like, there's been plenty of times where I paused the, you know, paused time and went, okay, now where am I in the grand scheme of things? And like, look, you know, up the tree and down the tree and figure out, you know, where all of my my people are, all of my family, where all the kids are that I've married off, you know, and then gone from there. It's it's you know the way. I think probably one of the best ways to play once you get the hang of it is pause, do a bunch of stuff, fast forward, pause, do a bunch of stuff, fast forward. But I don't know. That could just be me. Yeah. Well, I'm still getting really the hang of the military side of things and military. It can be very confusing, especially if you're in like a a war that has like three or four allies on each side and a bunch of mercenaries. (laughs) Like in my single player campaign, uh, one of my allies, I married off a child uh, uh, down in Africa to a, a Muslim dynasty because there was a chance of getting some really positive traits uh, for the children that who knows might come in handy someday. So uh, because of that alliance, I keep getting called down for peasant revolts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's like this dog pile of, okay, here's the peasants uh, revolting. Well, the kingdom's enemies jump in as trying to take over the territory. Their allies come in. I come down. It takes, you know, like three or four weeks to get my troops down there. And it's like, okay, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. I I usually avoid wars if they take me away, too far away from my own holdings. Uh, well, well it's advantageous to at least accept uh, the uh, call for allies and at least send a token force. So what I'll do is actually split my army. So I have a local defense force and a uh, essentially expeditionary force uh, that sometimes may include people I want to die, but that's beside the point. (laughs) Uh, My... King has gotten enough perks where he's gone from being able to have six knights to having ten knights, which uh, knights are actually very important. Uh, They could really swing a battle, but it really depends on who you have in your court as well. Essentially, the people that have the best prowess in your court are the ones that are automatically accepted to have knights, a knighthood. Uh, But that could also sometimes be your counselors. So you need to be careful on that. You can forbid them from going to war and force other people into knighthood, especially ones that you may want to get killed. Uh, but you're also crippling your forces in the process if you're you know, on a serious you know, campaign. Uh, like I said, I do admit that I'm still getting the uh, feel for the military side of things. There, there's also a men of arms unit, which is... Uh, you have two types of units. Well, I, I strike that. You have three types. You have your levies, which are your local peasants, essentially your untrained troops. They're the conscripts. Yeah, they're the they're the main number of uh, of your army, and you usually have quite a few of them. And depending on how much you've built up, your relationship in your counties, your control, it, it could vary wildly just how much you have. Then you have men at arms, which are essentially 
professional troops that you could actually pick and choose what you want. And there's kind of a rock, paper, scissors of what uh, counteracts what. Like uh, light infantry is countered by horsemen, which is countered by pikemen. Uh, bowmen are strong against uh, uh, p- uh, pikemen, while crossbowmen that you unlock later are strong against knights, that sort of thing. You know, it has the whole Pokemon uh, you know, flow chart of uh, strengths and weaknesses, uh, which adds uh, an extra you know, punch to your army, plus your knights. And then you can bring in mercenary forces as well, which costs so much gold for a set contract. But those are handy for more prolonged campaigns. Or if your army has taken a beating and needs to rebuild, essentially, at, all your losses, uh, it takes time for them to uh, repopulate and you could set a councilman to speed that along but it still takes quite a while especially if you have several thousand men that just died to you know kill one little traitorous bastard Uh, not that i'm showing my hand or anything of course (laughs) yeah uh but you could use those to booster your uh forces and you know you know go take over poland because you know that's the that's the all-time pastime, right? That's right. All right, let's let's. Can we talk about other stuff? Because we've been talking about Crusader Kings three for probably as long as we're going to talk about City Skylines. Yeah, we uh, ended up two for one on the game clubs. It seems. Indeed, indeed. I have so, a couple of other small ones, small games to run through that I I need to talk about this week. That's rather uh, suspect. What? What did you say? That's rather suspect. Oh, <laughs> so the first the, the first of these two is uh, among us. One of the current internet gaming darlings. Um, w- someone in my D anD D group bought me this, and the intention was for all of us to play, and we still haven't. Um, but uh, wound up playing it last night instead of playing uh, Star Wars RPG with the my group for that because. Uh, some stuff happened, and the the GM uh, wasn't able to prepare. So we were all hanging out, like, "Well, what do you I mean? You want to do anything, or do we just want to call it?" And I forget who suggested it. it was either Cube, actually, I think it was Cube, who was like, "Hey, do you have Among Us? We could play Among Us." So played Among Us. I mean, it's it's all right. Um, it's I don't know if you're listening and you haven't seen Among Us. You can play it for free on mobile. It's five bucks to buy it on Steam if you buy it. Um, but then you get the benefit of playing keyboard and mouse and having a larger screen to do stuff with. Um, and it follows the idea of those games like Secret Hitler or Mafia or there's a, a werewolf game. I can't remember the name of it, but where there's like where a werewolf in a in a house and it you try to find the werewolf. Like it's it's one of those things, but it it plays out really quickly. Like each individual game only lasts between five and ten minutes, and they're probably wide such a darling, huh? Yeah, there are, and there's between one and three <laughs> imposters on this spaceship. It's it's all sci-fi themed. It's got very cute, like bean people that can be a multitude of, of bright colors and wear silly hats. So that's <laughs> another reason why it's a darling. Yeah, I've and seen I, a couple crossovers between this and Fall Guys. And I have to admit, like every single round, I would change my costume to find something cuter or sillier. But, um, you know, depending on how many players are in the game, you have between one and three imposters trying to murder the crew. Um, 
And then everyone else are members of the crew and you have to complete some, you know, a, a bunch of basic tasks, which boils down to relatively simple mini mini games. And some of them are a little more involved than others. Like some of the tasks are copy data from one computer to another. And there's two computers on the ship and you go to the reactor room and get some data off of the computer there and take it to the bridge, for example, and copy that. There's a mini game where you have to swipe an, an administration card. And it's literally like you pull out your wallet and you take out a card and then you swipe it through a card reader. And if you go too slow or too fast, it doesn't read it. So you have to go through it at the right speed. And there's some stuff about like connecting the correct wires and flipping switches in the correct order or putting in a code that's that you have to find. So really simple, like mini games or quote unquote puzzles. And all the while that you're doing this, the imposters are trying to kill people. Um, and then if, you know, the imposters win, if they kill everyone or destroy the ship, because they can cause catastrophes like a reactor overload, or they can get <coughs> into space. Um, <coughs> and, uh, if if a dead body is discovered, um, it pulls up a thing where you can report the dead body, and then that pauses the game in any emergencies, and then everyone can chat with each other. Like technically, you know, we were all playing on Discord. We could talk if we wanted to, but we all just muted whenever we weren't supposed to be talking to each other, and then we would only unmute during the chat time and discuss like, oh, who found the dead body? Because it it doesn't tell you who found the dead body, or if it does, like it flashes up for a second, and I managed to miss it every time it happened but um and then like that's you know there's a, a dead body has been found chat and that's it and you have to talk and try to convince each other and it's you know people will you know say oh yes i was with you know so and so and so they couldn't have been the one who killed somebody or or whatever you know and then you vote and if you vote off all of the imposters then the crew wins or if you vote off um, someone who's not an imposter, then it keeps going, and that person gets vented into space and they die. Um, the crew also can win if they complete all of the tasks before the imposters manage to kill everyone. And um, that's, I mean, that's it. And it just randomizes who the imposters are, and the tasks are randomized a bit. And each round takes about five to ten minutes to play. Um, I, it was fun. You know, it, it it was good playing with a group of people. You need at least five people to play this, honestly. But then I tried to play it by myself with randos, and it 100% lost its appeal. It's no longer fun. So, you know, if you're, like, sitting around with a bunch of friends at, you know, and it's, it's COVID times. So I don't know why you would be doing this. But if you're sitting around with a big group of friends, you're like, hey, let's play a game. We've only got 20 minutes. Well, everyone pull out your phones, download Among Us, play four or five rounds of this sort of silly game. Or, you know, if you just want to have a quick game night over Discord or whatever, go for it. Uh, If you want to get this game and you want to play with randos, it's boring and kind of dumb and doesn't make any sense. So, you know, there you go. I I honestly don't know if it's worth the five bucks or not if you're playing it on, on PC your mileage completely will vary on this based on how you feel about this type of game. But had a good time with it. I, it's not something I think that would enter my regular rotation of gameplay if I was like having a regular video game night with friends. But, you know, it, it's a it's a nice palate cleanser and it's good for, sh- you know, impromptu or like short burst multiplayer gaming. Sort of uh, 
rapid fire secret Hitler. <laughs> yeah, basically. And that's fun for a while, but it, you know, it loses its appeal as well. And the other game I played is total fucking bullshit. I hate it. It's <laughs> stupid. They ruined Scrabble. So this is a mobile game. Which is surprising because, you know, I don't shut up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, they fucking ruined Scrabble. So my wife it, was playing this and I walk in and I'm like, oh, are you playing Words with Friends? Because, I, you know, that's what the olden way to play a Scrabble game on phones was. She's like, oh, no, this is like the official Scrabble app. It's called Scrabble Go. You should download it and we can play. I'm like, OK, so I download it. And they just ruined Scrabble. So, of course, of course, it's a mobile game. We got to have loot boxes. Can't have a mobile game without loot boxes. No siree. They put loot boxes in Scrabble. Um, the loot boxes contain little pieces of, like, gotcha-style, like, bullshit resources. And you collect enough of them, and then you apply them along with gems. Got gems, too. It's a mobile game. Got to have gems. So enough gems and enough resources. And you can craft cosmetic scrabble tiles and most of them are like stupid bullshit like different colored scrabble tiles or they have like a texture on them there are a few that are good and of course those are the ones that have like a hundred rare resources you know it would be faster if you paid us ten dollars to get the the skin for your scrabble tiles like the one that i like the best is is sushi it makes your scrabble tiles into little pieces of sushi and that one's really cute and there's one that makes them into elephants that's also cute. But I'm not paying you $10 for sushi scrabble tiles. Yeah, what really sucks is you have to buy 26 of them for the entire set. Yeah, I actually don't know if it gives you a whole set at once or not. I don't have any cosmetics for the scrabble tiles because I haven't collected enough loot box resources. Because you don't hate yourself that much. No, I don't hate myself. I, I mean, you'll self-flagellate yourself to death, but at least you're not buying, uh, yeah, loot boxes on Scrabble. That's right. Um, and but it but it gets worse. It gets worse. So the game has ads that it plays every. It, it, it's intermittent. It's a, between every two and ten turns that you take. It will play an ad. Um. And most of these games have an option: pay two ninety nine or one, you know, whatever. Pay this amount of money, remove ads. I'm like, okay, I like Scrabble. I can ignore the loot box bullshit, whatever. I can ignore that. I can play Scrabble with my wife and with my mom and some Facebook friends. That's fine. You know, I would pay one ninety nine or two ninety nine to remove the ads. Nope, it's got a subscription, nine ninety nine a month to remove ads. Wow. <laughs> yep. They fucking ruined Scrabble and it gets worse. It gets worse. So you you level up and that's one of the ways that you get the quote unquote free loot boxes is by leveling up. And once you hit a certain level, it starts unlocking mini games that you can't skip. Like I, I want to play Scrabble. I don't want to play cookie words. I don't I don't know if you know what that is or anyone who listening is, but it's like one of these nope. games. Okay, it's one of these games and, and I know what this is because my cousin, one of my cousins plays this, and I, I saw her playing it. It basically is kind of like a word search thing, and there's a bunch of letters that are like on display, and you have to find all the words that can be spelled out with these letters. And so there's that, and there's one that is um, like a dice thing, like you roll dice and get Scrabble tiles and have to make words with them, and... 
There is another bullshit one that's like you're given a timer and you have to use all of the Scrabble tiles before the timer runs out. And there's another bullshit one that's like a hangman kind of thing and you get randomized Scrabble tiles. I don't know how that one works. I really don't know how any of these work except for the ones that I just like can straight up recognize as copies of other shitty mobile apps that try to steal your time. And so you have to click through like the intro or tap through the introduction and then you can back out of the game or you can just force close the Scrabble app and then open it back up and it's cleared that mini game. I want to play Scrabble. I don't want to play your shitty cookie words or your shitty word search or your shitty hangman dice bullshit. I just want to play Scrabble. Just Please let tell me, me how play, you really feel. Just let me play Scrabble with my wife and with my mom who is really good at Scrabble and it feels good when I beat my mom at Scrabble. I just want to beat my mom at Scrabble. Scrabble, go. I don't want to deal with your bullshit. Quit making me deal with your bullshit. I don't know how long I'm going to keep this installed. I've had it installed for three days. I want to strangle my phone every time I get a notification. Hey, did you know that you can collect today's daily chest? You you have qualified to take place in the one-on-one instant Scrabble tile-off or something like that. I'm like, no. Just tell me when my mom makes her next move so I can go try to beat her at Scrabble. <laughs> Fucking Scrabble go. Fuck you. Where's where's my squirrel god? Go chew up some lines at the Scrabble go headquarters. Power lines. <laughs> Although, I don't know. There's probably lines of cocaine everywhere. They probably made this on a cocaine-fueled high. We're going to make so much money off of moms who like to play Scrabble. It wouldn't surprise me, actually. I mean, it's just... Uh, there, there's a, a lot of kind of pseudo if not completely evil shit in mobile gaming huh yeah i just i just want to play scrabble i'm now banging my mouse on my desk all right let's go talk mouse let's get you want to go talk about a game club game now oh sure yeah yeah Uh, we haven't talked about any games yet so yeah maybe we should go talk about a game so despite the what you may think we typically don't play the same game at the same time and Game Club is supposed to be when we come together to play the same game at the same time because we usually have vastly different tastes and, well, have very different ways at how we look at games in general. And this time around, and yes, I'm taking your intro to give you a little bit of a break, uh, we played Cities Skylines. Yeah, something to take a little bit of a break from all the story-heavy games and get into something that's a more mechanically-driven discussion. City Skylines is the uh, city builder by Colossal Order, published by Paradox, actually. So, hey, another Paradox game. And it is kind of usurped the throne of the city builder genre after... EA slash the shambling corpse of Maxis dropped the uh, ball with the latest SimCity game. Not that I'm bitter or anything about what EA's done to Maxis. No, not at all. Yeah. I, City Skylines was, it was a good time. A good palate cleanse. A good... Like, I, I said this to you, like, really quickly after I started playing it. City Sky, speaking of, you know, Maxis and uh, SimCity and all that jazz. I said to you, City Skylines plays like what I remember SimCity being when I was a kid. Or what you wish it was, because 
honestly, SimCity up until the abomination that was in 2013, a lot of it was just essentially spreadsheet generation. Yeah, no, you're right. But, you know, me playing that as a kid and, you know, even as like a teenager, like that was between 10, 15 years ago, you know, like that's enough time that it's all faded. And so playing City Skylines, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what I felt like when I played SimCity many years ago. And that's I mean, that's pretty much exactly what I wanted. You you know, it's like you have said, uh, like a sp- it's the spiritual successor to sim city essentially um it's great i don't i don't do as well talking about just straight up mechanics based games i don't think yeah, but so, i mean it's yeah go uh, ahead well city skylines it kind of has a different focus than uh the sim city's franchise because of well it's more of an agent driven uh, simulation where uh a lot of the game is based around individual pieces of uh, of data, for lack of a better term, floating around the city. Uh, be it the cars, be it the uh, the chims, the uh, computer, or... Uh, they, ha- they have some cutesy uh, term for it, but uh, those are all simulated in the game and actually move around, and it's not obfuscated, for the most part. Uh, I will say that the unmodded game, it does take some liberties with the population versus what it actually shows. Uh, and I did play the game heavily modified, but this is not a, a Skyrim situation where I don't think you really need mods to make the game fun. The game is not really... It is a management game, but the, that's not the key focus. A lot of it is just building a pretty city or uh, building your dream city or goofing around with it or fucking up the traffic flow and trying to figure out what you did wrong. Yeah, I played, I maxed out a city without any mods. I got it to its maximum level and I had a good time. Like I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed trying to, at least within the the confines of the base game, maximize traffic and maximize travel to and from the city and tourism and maximize use of public transportation, you know, so on and so forth. Like, and it was it was not not hard to get a city to max level. It, it took some time. I mean, it, you know, it, it's a little bit time consuming, but it's not difficult. Yeah, the um, yeah yeah the game is not overly hard. There are some things that uh, can throw a wrench into things, especially if you have some of the DLC. Uh, but the the difficulty isn't in the game itself; it's in the mistakes that you make, like having an uh, a uh, well, uh, for example, one of the issues I had going into my city was uh, whenever you start off, you are given essentially a small plot of land that this is unmodded uh, and a single entrance into your city. Well, my big issue, you know, 20, 30 hours down the line, was that when I was building up my city, uh, that initial essentially backbone of the city, you know, Main Street. A lot of the business uh, going into town uh, was on the left-hand side of uh, the street, just because that's uh, how I ended up building it. Well, because the game doesn't have a protective a protected left turn, uh, it did not handle the that left turn as fluidly as it could. So that disrupted traffic, which caused, especially during rush hour, because. 
my mods, uh, well, one, it rebalances the population so that, uh, you know, the city grows slower, uh, but it also makes it so that, you know, a single low density house has one family in it, which is usually between one and let's say five or six at the very top, uh, uh, citizens in it. So having a, the sprawling low uh, density area is the good part of the early game. And you could either tear it down later or, you know, try to build off of it because you don't really unlock high density for quite a while, actually. Yeah. That was one of my pet peeves. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, after I max out the city, I think before I I start talking a little bit about my deep, the deeper experience that I've had and the few mods that I did use, um, I think the game strikes the right balance between being accessible to someone who just wants to have a chill experience, but having a lot of mechanics built in where you can dive in to really try and customize and maximize, you know, sort of the efficiency aspect of it, the spreadsheet aspect of it. Um, And I I think it strikes that balance really well, and it's fairly intuitive, um, at least to someone who has some experience with these types of games. Um, I tend these types of games. I tend to focus more on transportation sims. You know, think I think I've talked about train and transport fever. Yeah, which this game is quite uh, a lot. Really up your alley, just because this is more focused not on the management of the city itself, but more the traffic flow and at uh, the public transportation systems. Because this is the developer that was behind the Cities in Motion series. Which I have played and I do enjoy. So, you know, I, I think you could still come into it, though, as like a good first one of these city builder sim type experiences, like with no experience. And the game is forgiving enough that you could still have a good time and sort of learn the ropes with it. Um, I think it strikes that balance pretty, pretty perfectly. I, I, I really liked my experience with that. But then I did get into some of the mods. Don't wear near as many as you did because I was you know, still... Also learning about the game and taking it more slowly. But the two that I used the most were the, uh, what is it? The President's Traffic Mod. And then... That traffic Manager President Edition. Yeah, that. Uh, that, that and I, There's very few mods that I would say for anyone is a must-have. I would say that one is just because uh, the game does some odd things at times with uh, intersections. Mm-hmm. Like I had... Uh, uh, outside of the whole, you know, all my or a good chunk of my uh, commercial being uh, essentially having to cross uh, uh, oncoming traffic and to uh, to get to, was that uh, I had a lane about three or four blocks up uh, that that was one was uh, uh, left uh, turn only and one was left turn and straight ahead. You might think that's not very important, but it was sending a second lane of traffic across and it was just disrupting things more and more and just causing this cascade effect. So changing that with the mod, uh, especially during rush hour, made things flow a lot better. Plus, you could also go in and really tweak some of the uh, of the management and that mod also introduces a little bit better uh, uh, traffic AI. So I would say that one is a must have. Sorry, go ahead. How? Yeah, no, I mean, the, the two, I think, best ones or most important ones that I had for that one. And then the one that lets you actually get the entire map 
Yeah. Um, because even in a max level developed city, you only get access to, what is it, like 15? I think it's 20. 20 tiles, but all, all of the maps have more tiles. Uh, it has 64. Yeah. So there's still only so much in the base game that you can actually expand your city. And there's, and I assume that part of that is to help encourage replayability because you can like, oh yeah, I'll make a new city and I'll expand this direction instead of that one. But I wanted to be able to have well, the entire map to play with. Well, part of it's also because of the industries and that ties into one of the DLCs, which we'll go more into my DLC collection later on. Yeah, because I don't have any uh, of the big DLCs. I had one of the small DLCs they gave away for free, which was like a content pack, but I didn't have any of the big ones. Yeah, and I have seven of them uh, that I use to varying degrees. Um, the uh, uh, the industries, uh, uh, they use ground resources, which uh, one of the official mods that's included in the game that you could uh, essentially cheat. You could say so that ground resources uh, don't deplete because otherwise you may run into a situation where you set up a, this giant oil uh, refinery and you suck all the oil out of the ground and now you're screwed. And just with the time frame of the game being kind of odd, uh, it just feels more realistic that the, yeah, the oil just yeah, uh, is there, right? Yeah. Uh, oil fields tend to last a, a fair amount of time. Not you know like a week of uh, of real world time, right? And same with yeah. Uber and that sort of thing. So I enabled that uh, pretty much right away for pretty much all my cities. Yeah, I did. I never did too much industrialization. I mean, I did the bare minimum that the city growth. You know, when they told me that they wanted it, because it, it makes everything look really ugly, and I didn't want my city to look ugly. Yeah, that. Yeah, I I have a, a problem uh, with getting. Uh, uh, industry to actually come into my city. I'm, I think it's a actually an over-education issue where, and this is pretty bog standard for any city builder or any modern city builder, I guess I should say, or present day city builder. That's probably a better way to say it is that industry is treated as like the dumb labor uh, jobs where the uneducated uh, tend to go while commercial are treated as the educated jobs. And this game, it's very easy to end up with at least a decently educated population. So industry is usually like this little posted stamp off in the corner of the map. And uh, meanwhile, I have this massive commercial uh, sector that's that, uh, as a matter of fact, most of my industry is from the industry's DLC because that kind of usurps the demand and allows you to build your own. Yeah, with blackjack and hookers. Oh, wait, that's a different DLC. Woo! Uh, but uh, I, it's just uh, the game is a, sometimes a little too idealistic, in my opinion, where it's very easy to build, you know, like an ideal, you know, low population, uh, very low crime, you know, no slums, no, you know, right? Yeah. So that's uh, that's probably my biggest criticism but that's not really a criticism per se because it's not really the focus of the game to make this ultra realistic city it's more of a traffic manager matter of fact a a fair amount of the uh, uh, scenarios in the game 
deals with, uh, yeah, bringing a city up usually from some sort of traffic issue or some sort of uh, poorly designed public transport issue. Bypasses, bypasses everywhere. Roundabouts. But oh yeah, round, roundabouts are amazing. Uh, actually, roundabouts are very good in this game just because of ha- how the game handles you know, a lack of protected left. You can do it in uh, the uh, 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 traffic manager. Uh, set up a manual traffic light uh, or a program traffic light that has the protected left. But it's just, ugh. Uh, it's annoying to do it over and over again. And copying and pasting doesn't work for the timings. It, it, it requires more fiddling than I'm willing to deal with. So I just overbuild my uh, 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 my road work. Yeah. Once once I get past the initial starting area a bit and start building communities that can utilize roundabouts really well, um, because it, it blocks you off from using the default roundabouts. I know that you can make stuff yourself or get mods that have like little traffic things built into it. I didn't spend too much time with that. Um, so I would build the starting area or, you know, the starting plot of land. And then as my city expanded, I would start building new communities and business areas essentially based around these little roundabouts that went through the middle. And then I would like section it off and then I would just bulldoze the first part of my city and start that one over. Yeah. I I didn't really bulldoze anything. I did have a disaster kind of wipe out part of it. So I was able to rebuild a fair chunk of uh, old town essentially. Uh, But uh, well, uh, that gets into the DLCs, which do you want to talk about that? Or what the DLC? uh, Yeah. uh, Or DLCs, because I will say that the DLCs, they fill out some niches really well. I mean, well. you can talk about the DLC. I don't okay. know if I have too much more to say. Like, I mean, I like the game. I like my experience with it. But, you know, if you yeah. want to go ahead and cover the DLCs, go for it. Yeah, I have all the major ones outside of Sunset Harbor, which is the latest one, and Snowfall, which was the first one. <coughs> uh, pardon me. Uh, and they tend to fill out niches that uh, were lacking in the main game. So, for example, After Dark introduced, or the uh, this is a Paradox game, so they have the DLC and then they have a free patch that adds something as well that the DLC builds upon. So, like, After Dark, it introduced the daylight cycle and it made it so that you could build pleasure districts or more tourist trap districts, which we didn't really get into the whole districting thing. Well, which, uh, districts allow you to essentially subdivide your city into zones. So like you have a residential district that uh, is not as likely to pursue education, might have legalized marijuana, uh, legalized gambling uh, to drive a a more industrial uh, uh, side of things. You uh, could on the flip side have a peace loving green town and use the districts to enforce policies to push it that way where you uh, give out free smoke detectors uh, you're uh, forcing carbon emission uh, reduction through one of the DLCs that I'll talk about Uh, support uh, uh, commercial uh, zones uh, building up uh, local uh, 
uh, produce and green uh, uh, businesses. And uh, that's where a lot of the flexibility in how you, how your town is perceived comes in, but it also comes at a price. So, uh, you know, giving out smoke detectors, well, it's nice and all, and it reduces the amount of fires that you have, but it also, you know, that, that starts to rack up after a while. But then again, you know, other things might bring in more revenue where you're getting tour, more tourists to come in, which don't really count as population, but because they're in your town and patronizing all your, uh, uh, your tourist traps, they're going to your shops, you're getting money f- from them via taxes. So uh, that's where the nightlife DLC, com- or sorry, After Dark comes in. Uh, natural Disasters is essentially the difficulty DLC. But the big thing that bugged me about the base game was that a SimCity always had it where something could go wrong. You know, you could have a kaju come down and, you know, start ripping up all the buildings. Uh, you could have uh, uh, wildfires uh, take place. You could have earthquakes, a tornado, co- a touchdown, that sort of thing. Base game does not have that. They have that in the DLC. Which I think is actually a smart thing because the it really ramps up the difficulty. So you could have tsunamis come in, which plays off the uh, uh, the water physics of the game, which kind of is probably one of the weaker points because the water is kind of like this really you know loose jello, right? Yeah, I mean it's not bad. It it's good enough for the most part, but for a tsunami, it, you know. And also, it's unrealistically big. I mean, this is, you know, massive tsunamis. You know, th- this is what cartoon tsunamis. You have sinkholes, you have earthquakes, you have lightning storms, that sort of thing. And, you know, it throws a wrench into things because uh, things kind of run a little too smoothly. It's almost set in, set in and forget it at some point. So it makes it so that you could sit there and have to you know, actively manage things, but also... It introduces uh, services to be able to counteract them. So, like, you can set up a deep space telescope to be able to see that meteor coming in uh, that's going to wipe out your city and be able to evacuate people, that sort of thing. Not really a requirement, but I would say if you're finding the game a little too easy, there you go. Uh, Mass transit, more mass transit options. Uh, It's one of the better DLCs, in my opinion. Even though it's one of those that I don't really use the... uh, It's one of those things that you know you're lacking it, uh, but whenever you're playing, you don't realize that you're using as much as you are. If that makes any sense. Yes, I believe uh, so. Green Cities is the DLC that I don't really use all that much. It's essentially uh, uh, reducing po- uh, pollution, which is something that we uh, uh, that is really just generated by industry. And there's also noise pollution that can make people sick. So if they're living beside a major highway, uh, after a while, it could cause issues with health there. And, and Green Cities uh, seats to combat the industrial pollution, but it's typically a building, but more expensive, but less polluting. So like uh, the water outlets, which are essentially the sewer drains. Yeah. Uh, uh, base game, early game. You're just putting out shitty water right into the into the water, right? Yeah. Which I actually had an issue at one point because I tried to build a hydroelectric dam. I screwed it up and deleted it. 
and I had this massive uh, man-made tsunami come down the river uh, and uh, wipe out uh, the little amusement park that I built on the riverside uh, that happens to be utilizing a little area of land I can't use because there might be a sewer drain hidden in the trees over there. I named it Turd World. Nobody would suspect a thing. (laughs) Nice. Uh, But anyway, it flushed (laughs) Turd World. But... (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, but it actually simulates the uh, uh, the water flow. So whenever the tsunami passed, uh, the uh, essentially the vacuum, the lack of water, caused things to kind of come what was going downstream come upstream a bit. So the sewer output came upstream enough that I got sucked into my water inlet and started. I started to see all these people getting sick. I took me a while to figure out what the hell was going on. <laughs> yeah, I accidentally made a bunch of my people sick because I placed a water tower in a polluted area. Because my thought was, I didn't, I didn't realize this, but my thought was, okay, well, it's a water tower, so it will pump up and fill up with clean water and just add to the system that way. But no, it, it acts as a water well. generation point, or yeah, a, a well. And so the ground was polluted from the industry, and so I, I pumped a ton of polluted water into my clean water system and something like 30% of my population got sick before I figured it out and fixed it. Yeah, there was, uh, uh, I think it's in the Natural Disasters DLC, you could actually build proper water tanks that you're thinking of that utilizes the spare water to essentially have a, a backup system if you know something like that happens. I didn't have that in place yet, so... If that happened again, I would be able to turn off my water inlet and be able to uh, have some time before everybody starts bitching about no water. Uh, but let's see. The, uh, go back over here. Uh, like uh, on uh, the green cities, uh, there's a green, in sarcasm quotes, sewer outlet that just puts out less polluted water, but it's more expensive. Or then there's the water treatment plant that puts out nearly pure water. So yeah, very little pollution. Uh, so that if you're dealing with a city that you don't have a lot of access to water, you know, it makes it, it gives you more options. The last three, they essentially play the same, but with different as or different focuses. So park life industries and campus, they all play as essentially building a mini district that could sit inside of a normal district. And then you do things in them and micromanage them a bit. So park life, it allows you to build small or quite massive parks, depending on your preference. Uh, And the little natural notches that may be, you know, otherwise inaccessible to your road system. Like, well, everything has to be on the road in uh, city skylines. Well, most things, I guess you should say, uh, with some of the DLCs not requiring that. Uh, but uh, Park Life allows you to build off of a footpath system to, so you can go into these odd nooks and crannies that you, may be around your city to build a small city park that you otherwise wouldn't uh, be able to make or just build a massive wildlife preserve. Uh, same goes for campus where you could build a little small college or put a massive uh, district down and spread the college all around town. 
like some actual real colleges do, where you have a, a couple dormitories here. Then across town is a lecture hall. Down the road is a study hall, that sort of thing. Right. Uh, and industries, uh, like I, I alluded to before, essentially allows you to take control of your industry, where uh, industries is probably the m- most interesting one of these, but it's also kind of the most hands-off once you set it up. Uh, industries uh, allows you to mine or pump oil, uh, mine or uh, grow uh, crops or harvest trees into lumber and essentially set up a small production chain or a small supply chain uh, to create resources for your town. And as you build up these different districts, you're able to produce new goods and unique uh, factories that uses these resources for your town or export for money. But this also completely bypasses the need for a demand of industry uh, uh, zoning. So you could actually have proper industry and not have to worry about your education being too damn good for it. And park life, like I said, it, it, it runs off the same system, uh, having so much, uh, so many visitors, so many, and so much entertainment in the uh, park uh, levels it up for more things you could do. And campus, same idea. So many students and so much prestige for the t- for the college. Uh, all these run off essentially the same skeleton of districts that you do micromanage things in. Outside of really like mass transit and maybe natural disasters, none of them I would say are absolute requirements. I mean, there are the three three DLCs, which the only one that actually really adds a lot to the game itself. Uh, there, I don't think that there's really any must-haves outside of mass transit and maybe natural disasters. Everything else is pick and choose or just wait for it to go on sale or bundled and you know grab what interests you, which mm-hmm. is you know, kind of how the paradox model really works. Yep. I think, I mean, I think I'm going to get the the DLCs next time they're on sale. I intend mm-hmm. to, I, I expect I'll continue playing the game, especially when I just want to chill and listen to some podcasts. It's perfect for that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, with how you play, I would actually think you would like After Dark. Uh, it allows you to build essentially, you know, uh, downtown uh, uh, pleasure districts or tourist districts. Mm hmm. Uh, and bring in just uh, a lot of tourists to be able to spend uh, the night in your city, you know? Yeah. So, City Skylines. Yeah, I would say it's definitely well worth playing, even just the base game. And I f- is it on Game Pass the hour? Um, I don't think so. It was. I don't know if it still is. Uh, I'm pulling up Game Pass now, but I suspect you're already I did, there. I, I didn't want to load up the app because it sometimes does weird things ah well i'm loading it up right now no i don't want to what no i should have just loaded up on my phone city skylines included with game pass yeah so it's it's still on game pass um i was gonna say i didn't see it go off but i could have been wrong on that it doesn't include the dlcs though which and i don't think you can mod the game which it's a bit of a kick in the teeth because uh, the mods do really help. Not a requirement to play, but uh, especially like traffic manager. 
Uh, traffic manager and move it, I think, are the two big ones for me. Uh, we talked about traffic manager. Move it allows you to essentially pick up and move things, uh, which you can do in, in game to some extent. But this is like tweaking roads. Be able to uh, like roads sometimes snap at odd angles, so you could just yeah you know, bend the road a little bit to make it look a little bit better, or yeah you know, make a road a little bit more yeah you know, even. Yeah, especially if you're running parallel roads uh, coming into your city. Um, so. City yeah. Skylines on Game Pass includes After Dark, Pearls from the East, and Carols, Candles, and Candy. Okay, t- uh, After Dark is the only paid DLC in that. There, the uh, Carols and Candy is a free DLC, and as is Pearls of the East. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, if you've you know if you've been listening to us talk about it, you have Game Pass. You want to check it out or, you know, sounds like it's up your alley and good to just, you know, spend a little time with playing on Game Pass. Yeah, I do hope that they do eventually make another uh, a, a proper sequel to this because they put out quite a bunch of DLC for this, but incorporate some of the ideas that the modders have had, especially, you know, having a little bit more fine control, even if it's just, you know, be able to paint uh, a little bit better traffic lines, you know? Yeah. I don't expect uh, the base game to be able to do as much like uh, as Traffic Manager does because Traffic Manager can be very intimidating at first. And it is very, very easy to fuck up your city with it. But have some sort of method to be able to say, uh, no, I want uh, all the lanes to go this direction. That sort of thing. Or be able to... Uh, more easily uh, direct traffic, I guess I should say, or be able to. Another thing that traffic manager does is be able to easily toggle uh, street lights on and off, or, or, tra- or traffic lights. I guess I should say. So, if you have a section of a road that uh, doesn't uh, really need a traffic light, you could disable it and instead set the side roads to yield. Uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, trying to think of anything else. Uh, I would say really the real. Uh, city skylines one of the things i love to do i didn't do it in my city that i uh, built this time around because i was trying to essentially just reacquaint myself with the game was i like to go in with uh, all the little props and things you could uh, do and build like almost uh dioramas in the game like uh one thing i did was built like uh this uh i'm trying to think of a good way to put it uh like a person has taken over this uh what was once a maintenance area uh, uh for the what would have been the construction of the uh, uh uh the bridge that they're living under and has built a little life for themselves so they had like a little tent uh, hidden off in the trees and uh, a couple rundown cars uh sitting there uh, all from props completely uninteractable uh, by the uh sims uh but yeah it's this little piece of flavor that uh, that my city had, or an area that saw constant reconstruction and changes. I built like this giant construction yard down by the river with uh, a couple of cranes, piles of dirt, uh, rubble everywhere, and uh, left it there as like a testament to just the constant, you know, <laughs> redesigns that it would do. 
and that's uh, something that you could also really get into this game is that there's a bustling uh, content tr- uh, creation tools uh, that people have taken uh, to be able to build all sorts of little assets and things that doesn't really drive the gameplay or uh, change the mechanics of the game. But you could go in and start just adding a little flair to your city. Like uh, the uh, pedestrian overpass I had going into my city for uh, this time around. I would add just random billboards to it. <laughs> Doesn't do a damn thing, but it makes it look neat. And that's one thing that uh, is, that we didn't really touch on. Is just uh, It's not just a, really a management game or a traffic simula- uh, simulator. It is a sandbox game where you can build, you know, uh, these little essentially dioramas with props and uh, some of the DLCs like uh, Park Life really thrive off that. If you want to build like a recreation of Central Park down to the uh, individual park benches, you can, or you can build your dream parks or you could, uh, you know, uh, start throwing random junk in cars. So, you know, it looks like this park that's you know, been ran down over the years and just people have started dropping off shit. And that's really where you could kind of get to a sort of dystopia of the game uh, in the game. Otherwise, the game is you know, very bright and cheery and doesn't really do a lot on the bad sides of a city. Uh, you were about to jump in there. No, I, I mean, I, you know, I these types of games are much more your thing than my thing. Like, I enjoyed City Skylines. But as a mechanics-based game, you know, it, it's a very soothing, relaxing game that I can play podcasts while I listen to it. It's very solid. I don't have any issues with it. And then that's kind of it. Like, this is more your playground than it is mine. And yeah, I mean, so I have I, almost 200 hours in this game. Uh, totally. Yeah, and I enjoyed my time with it, and I fully expect I will play more of it over time. But, you know, for me, kind of that's where it ends for now without me actually getting the DLCs and seeing how much it can add and things like that. So, you know, I'm I'm letting you in talk about how much you enjoy it because I certainly have had my moments where I've gone on for forever and <laughs> hours about a game that I enjoy that you're not as interested in, even if you like it. So. Or enthusiastic. How yeah. About that? Yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think I really have a lot more to add to this. It's more of, like I said, uh, I would say management slash puzzle of how did I screw up? slash sandbox of okay well now i can create this little story here of you know like this uh, this one guy that's uh you know collects random junk cars in his backyard <laughs> right yeah or you could go into the workshop and start finding props maybe for uh, your uh, uh home city or uh, for your country and start you know building a, an area that you grew up in or tour around with a different, you know, uh, I'm actually not sure just how much there is uh, 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 fantasy-wise you could do with this. I didn't really dive into that too much. But, yeah, it's a, it's a very open game and a very interesting one. Yeah. All right. So that's it for this month's Game Club game. Both of us enjoyed it. Two thumbs up. You're more enthusiastic about it than me, but I certainly recommend it um our next game club game for the month of october spoopy month although this is 
I don't think the spoopiest game we've ever played, but uh, it is Overland. Well, to be um, fair, we set a high bar last year. That's true. Um, but yeah, Overland. We uh, You can get this game on Steam. Uh, I think it's available on consoles as well, but we got it through the Itch.io uh racial equality bundle it was one of the super mega bundle (laughs) yeah it was one of the sort of top tier titles that were present in the bundle um and overland is a uh, post-apocalyptic game where there's a group of travelers who are going on a road trip um and it's a turn-based turn-based game so some some possible spoopiness from the post-apocalyptic setting uh you know sort of dark brooding atmosphere but I suppose we'll see really how spoopy it actually is. But you're right. It's hard to beat last year's game. Prey was one of the best spoopy games we've picked so far, mm-hmm. if not the best spoopy game. Uh, well, considering I wasn't able to really play it all that much, I'm going to go Alan Wake. That's fair. Alan Wake is really good. I was I was surprised by, by Prey, though, at how, how scary it was, but I wasn't too afraid to play it. Like, I didn't dread it. Although I didn't dread Alan Wake either. But I did have previous experience with it. I don't know. Last year was a good spoopy game, though. But yeah. Overland. So for the month of October, Overland. Woo. Woo. This could be a future near you. That's maybe the spoopiest part of all. Well, the thing about post-apocalyptic is that it's... I'm trying to remember the exact quote I saw. A post-apocalyptic... Uh, uh, settings are at least somewhat optimistic because at least uh, gives the idea that we do have a future. That's true. We could have a future, folks. You hear that? Woo! Hopeful. All right. So we have two news topics we're going to cover tonight. Yeah, quickly. <laughs> yeah, the first was sent to us uh, by Cube and the Discord channel. Um, we you slightly editorialized the title, but it's I mean, like very that. slightly. I mean, yeah. Judge in the Apple Fortnite case slams Epic's tactics. Yeah, basically um, saying, oh, fuck you, man. This is not uh, new. This is how the games industry works. Yeah. It, the sort of nutshell version of this is that the judge um, basically said, hey, Epic. A lot of your stuff is bullshit. You deliberately like planned this and went against contract terms that you signed off on and wants to have a, a court case that goes to a jury trial probably in 2021, Yeah, but at least at the moment. Uh, not so fast because remember there was the secondary article that came up just uh, as we were setting up to record, saying that Apple and Epic do not want to have a jury trial, uh, and they filed an injunction doing uh, stating as much. They want to have want to be tried by the court, yep. so they're not going to set a legal precedent for this. If uh, if my understanding is correct, they uh, essentially they do not trust this to go to jury. Which honestly, I really don't blame them with how uh, jury selection could really took uh, the scales of justice. Yeah, I think both of them are afraid of losing and the precedent that that's going to set. <laughs> and I don't think either of them deems that risk worth it. So, I mean, I guess we'll see what actually happens, you know, going forward. Um, 
but I don't, I don't know. Is there a way to force, I'm not a lawyer. I know you're not a lawyer either, but is there, do you know if you can like force a jury trial in a a situation like this? If both Uh, of them are like, actually, no dog, we don't want that. I'm not sure. Really not sure. Actually. That would be interesting if they, if they say, actually, we'd like to back out of this. And then it's like, no, you can't do that. The wheels are in motion for this. I don't know. I don't know shit about lawyering, especially like big corporate law like this or, you know, law involving corporations like this rather. Um, But I think that would be interesting if they still went ahead, like had to go ahead with the jury trial because Apple had, was the one who had um, made the request or filed the paperwork or whatever. um, And it's saying that they have withdrawn that request. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, this whole whole case, no matter what happens, no matter how it winds up being tried, the how consumer it, loses. Yep, we all get fucked just a little more than we were before. Epic is no hero. And even though Apple is technically correct, because, you know, they had the power to set these contracts in motion and Epic and everyone else, you know, has agreed to them, they still suck as well. They're assholes. No, yeah, it's I, just no, who is the bigger asshole here, right? Yeah. No mega corporation is good. They are just the less shit ones. And I mean, right now, at least in the gaming space, Microsoft is probably the least shit mega corporation that there is, but they're still not good either. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. It's it's getting spicy between them, and I it's gonna keep it's gonna stay spicy until this is all over. And even then, it'll probably be spicy for a while after the fact as well. There will be gloating PR campaigns, especially if Epic wins. Oh, uh, you know that they already have uh, the ad pre-made for this. They had the 1984 ad ready to go for when Apple pulled them. Yeah. You know that they have the victory uh, uh, lap uh, ready to go if they won, right? I wonder if they steal the chicken dinner from... um... (laughs) because <laughs> that would be that would be like them to take the chicken dinner from PUBG. well they uh, take a bunch of pulp culture shit anyway for their game so why the hell not that's true that's very true mostly shitty dances as far as i can tell but more is more well, stuff well, well i don't follow tiktok so i don't know the origins of half this shit that's true i don't either i have people do like i know people who do it's very confusing to me yeah, uh, I've gone from uh, knowing what uh, the answers to out uh, to r slash out of the loop to uh, reading r slash out of the loop to figure out what the fuck. Yep, get very. Con- I'm I'm an old man. I get confused by things. Wait, who are you? I don't understand. What is this bullshit? Oh no, I think you should be getting the fuck off my lawn, though. I told the uh, the neighbor kid to go away again today. Oh really? He- yeah, he showed up knocking on my door asking where my kid was. I'm like, he's in the house playing video games. Can you go see if he wants to come play? I mean, I can. I'm not so going I, to, but I can. So I was like, I can. Hang on. So I went and I talked to my kid. And he's like, no, I don't want to. I want to play Roblox. And I'm like, okay. And I go back out. And I'm like, yeah, he said he want, didn't, didn't want to come play. He's doing stuff inside. Well, can you tell him to come out? No, kid. He said he didn't want to. Go away. Come back tomorrow. Actually, come back three days from now. That'll was, that was confuse him. <laughs> and then yeah. start, then show up, uh, uh, look like you have a fever, coughing. Mm. But yeah, that's, that's my neighbor, neighbor's kid. 
Uh, one I, of those, right? I'm not sure my kid likes him very much because there's a, oh, another well, less kid. than video games. There's another kid in my neighborhood. I'm very proud of my son for liking video games more than than a, a possible friend. Now, if only that friend played video games. But see, there's another kid that lives a little bit farther down the street that my kid recently uh, discovered. And this kid likes to play video games and would rather play video games most of the time than go outside. And so my kid's like, oh, yeah, I want to. This, this kid's named Fletcher. He's like, hey, is, can you text Fletcher's mom and see if he wants to play whatever Minecraft or I mean, the, the new thing is Roblox. I don't know shit about Roblox. Uh, I know police sent them up. <laughs> nice. Yeah, my kid started playing, like, wanted to play Roblox. I'm like, I don't know. And he's asking me questions. I'm like, son, it's happening already. You are playing a game that I know nothing about. I mean, I, now I know. Now you're sitting there playing it like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I mean, I'm not playing it. I set up a, a child account and blocked off a bunch of stuff so that he can't find. I don't, I don't like Roblox. I'm discovering because what it is, the way that it works, if you played on PC, because if you played on console, of course, you have to have the online subscription to play the goddamn free-to-play game. But what it is, is it's like basically just a launcher. You launch Roblox, and it launches their website, and then plays games. I don't know if it downloads them, and then it launches them. I don't know how this works, but it feels like a security nightmare. So I have walled off the computer I've put up a great firewall around it and many antivirus protections and then severely my firewall. <laughs> We're gonna make Roblox pay for it. But yeah, that's where I'm at with Roblox. But my kid likes it. It's got Titanic stuff in it, and that's my kid's current favorite thing is Titanic. The Titanic, so anyways. Uh, well, he does realize that the ship sinks, right? Oh yeah, no, he knows that it sinks. He thinks that's awesome that the ship sank. And it's like a bunch of people died. And he's like, well, yeah, I know, but they're dead. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not wrong. He's like, yeah, they're, they're dead already. I'm just going to enjoy the ship. All right, son. Fr- Friday, uh, my wife has to take my sister-in-law to the airport. She's leaving. She's not going to be living with us anymore. And my kid is like, you know, what do you, you want to do? And I was like, why don't we get pizzas and watch a documentary about a new ship that's not the Titanic? And my kid is so excited. And honestly, I'm really excited, too, because he wants that's to the Lusitania. I actually suggested the Lusitania. He was like, oh, what's that? I'm like, oh, it's a, a cruise liner that was sank by uh, a German submarine. He's like, oh, yeah, let's watch that. And he knows about another ship. Like, this, this is his thing here right now. He's learning about ships. His favorite's the Titanic. And he can tell you how many people died when the ship sank. Now, is he going to bitch about uh, Rose not laying Jack on, the, uh, on that piece of debris? We haven't watched that movie yet. I don't know. We'll if have to fast to forward past the boobies. Yeah, he's seen them. He's seen boobies before. That makes me sound like a bad parent. And honestly, I don't give a <laughs> shit. It's fine. All right. Well, to be we- fair, you know, uh, if he was breastfed, right? They, yep. Exactly. Also, I'm fat. Self-deprecation. All right. No, we got those one. are boobies. That, that doesn't count. <laughs> we got one other news topic tonight. Uh, Amazon announces its new cloud gaming service, Luna. Yeah, this is something that we kind of had to talk about because it was probably the biggest deal this week. 
because outside of that, you know, it's a pretty lean week overall for news outside of, you know, niche stuff. And it's just another streaming service, but this one has Amazon behind it. And Amazon has a pretty wide cast of, uh, they've cast a wide net with their web servers. And this is going to use that. So, if anything, this feels like probably the better chance than like Stadia, which it feels weird saying Amazon could be uh, Google in the web space, considering Google, yeah, well, for a lot of people, that is the internet, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. But they're doing a couple interesting things uh, that kind of fly in the face of what Stadia has been trying to do. One, they're going more the Netflix model. Well, actually, I would say more like the Amazon Prime uh, video model where uh, they have a base uh, uh, subscription going in. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was $5.99, right? Yes, $5.99 uh, for their, their beta period or whatever. Yeah, and then whatever uh, it, that turns into later on. Uh, but they also uh, have at least one... Uh, premium subscri- uh, channel where you subscribe to it and you get uh, access to Ubisoft stuff, uh, which is an, ad- an additional subscription, which is how Amazon Prime Video works, where if you're a Prime member, you get access to the free, and sarcasm quotes because you, you are paying for it, uh, but then you have options to get add-ons. So it looks like they're applying this to video games, but not doing how Stadia does, where you pay in for a subscription, then you have to buy the games on top of that outside of the very small handful of uh, free, once again, massive sarcasm quotes, games you get with your subscription. The included games with the subscription. Yeah, yeah and they're promising over 100 games, if memory serves correctly. Yeah, Um I'm very interested in this, um, and especially if they do something like either include it with Prime because or or, or portions of it because Prime Video, um, you know that it's not everything that you can get through Amazon, um, but you know there are portions of things that you know on Prime Video which you've got if you are a Prime member. So um, that or if they include some type of promotion or like if you have prime you can get it for a discount or something like that like that would be really interesting and they've got a huge built-in base to actually make this subscription work because of their prime membership yeah especially if they uh, do like twitch prime and they just give it away to the prime members they make this another sweetheart deal to make prime a little bit better yeah that'll make it really tempting to use this a lot more yeah, I, I intend to try it out. I mean, both of us applied to get into their beta or early access program or whatever they called mm-hmm. it. Um, but even if I didn't do that, like when it releases, I would at least try it out for a month. Um, because the way this has it over Google Stadia is in the what they're offering. Because um, you, you can try Google Stadia for a month for free, or it might be two months now. I don't know how desperate they are. But <laughs> their, their library is so limited, I just don't give a shit. But with Amazon saying they're going to have 100 titles in their library at, you know, at from the get-go or pretty close to the get-go, you know, it, it makes it an interesting proposition to just try out and see, especially with the holidays coming up. I mean, you know what? I'm not traveling anywhere except to my parents' house probably. 
but I'm not going to tote my gaming PC to my parents' house. So it, it would be nice to actually, you know, just take my sad old laptop and, and have it there. Or, or hell, uh, have- just take the controller because uh, like uh, Stadia, they're doing a dedicated controller for this that connects directly to their system. So right. no matter you have to what- buy the controller. Yeah. Yeah, I was, well, obviously. Or, or I would use one of my, you know, like this can open up my media center PCs to being more capable to play games, especially with my kid getting more and more into video games like we just talked about. I mean, right now Roblox is his big game, but I mean, he's uses, like we, you know, we have this shared family computer that pretty much he almost exclusively uses, but now it's it's pretty much just to play games on. And so, you know, giving him having access to him being able to play more games without trying without tying up my actual PC space would be nice. Um, you know, because a lot of the times when he wants to play video games is also prime time for me to play video games like in the morning while I drink coffee. I mean, not so much now with school stuff going on, like he gets started on school pretty early. But, you know, in the morning while I drink coffee before I start work or on the weekends um, in the mornings or pretty much any time really on the weekends, because I play games as much as i can when i'm not having to work or do anything else so if he's not tying up my steam account then i'm happier yeah and also this would allow you know uh, he could discover new games in this and assuming that they have proper age protection uh where you could gate off you know all the more mature games you know you could let them play around in the uh, in the kitty section and maybe found something different, you know, found something that uh, both of us don't know about, but is you know, perfectly acceptable, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what else is kind of interesting about this is uh, Microsoft is, well, uh, we now have the three major tech companies and going for some sort of cloud gaming now, huh? We have Microsoft, we have Google and uh, now Amazon. Yeah, and, and and like it's interesting. Like Google is one of the ones that I thought could pull it off, but it doesn't seem like they are going to be able to. I mean, I guess they, you know, as far as I know, Stadia hasn't been abandoned yet, at least not publicly. Yeah, but yeah, but I think there's also a lot of hesitation for Stadia because Google is so quick to abandon something that's not working or yeah. start touring around with it a little too much. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it seems like Google is not going to pull it off. Microsoft has gotten more and more and more aggressive in sort of the the PC gaming space, which has led to them having PC Game Pass be really successful, which gives me uh, hope is maybe the wrong word. But, you know, it makes me think that their cloud service is going to be more successful or more likely to be successful. And Amazon is another one of these companies that I think if they're going to do it, could pull it off because of the massive infrastructure that they have already. I mean, a ton of the internet runs on Amazon. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't, I've seen, I don't know if these reports are true or not, or the, you know, cause I've seen articles that talk about where much more of Amazon's rev- revenue comes from now. And a lot of it being their, um, you know, web servers and cloud servers and all of the backend infrastructure that they now have to for, you know, running the internet, basically. So if, if, you know, Amazon is one of the few other companies that I could say, you know, has its shot to successfully pull this off. Yeah. And they're coming in on the budget price as well, because Stadia is 10 bucks a month. If you're not going the free route and just buying games, you 
uh, which is you know still a lot expensive even Abraham uh Game Pass unless I'm mistaken I'm mistaken at the point uh, at this point, XCloud is just an add on to the Ultimate Edition of Game Pass, which is fifteen bucks a month. Yeah, that'll... so it would either be technically ten if you go the P- if you're PC only, or you're getting it free, but you're still paying fifteen bucks a month because you're getting it on the console and the PC as well. Uh, so uh, Luna, which uh, it also feels kind of weird, XCloud, Stadia, and now we have Luna. <laughs> Luna, I like Luna though. That's a good name. Uh, I'm just coming in at the. Uh, bargain price, but also has more games on offer at launch, or if this is true, than Stadia did. I do think uh, XCloud has the bigger library, but there are also a lot of it is crossed from what's already available on the different uh, 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 game passes. So that might just, yeah, it's going to be weird. I think it's going to be what exactly what games uh, they have. Also, what's interesting is the iOS. This is going to be the first one of these that actually makes it on iOS, unless Stadia got in there somehow. Because Apple has cock-blocked Microsoft at every pass, but they have a sweetheart deal with Amazon, according to at least this article, uh, that will allow Luna on there ahead of xCloud, which is really interesting. You can sideload uh, uh, programs onto an iPhone to in the ass. So that's also why the whole Epic thing is a lot more important uh, than if it was uh, them going to Google, but that's beside the point. Uh, so, yeah, Amazon has a lot going for it on this, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And, I mean, they've uh, got my interest, so. Yeah, I'm not going to say that it's going to be a, a definite home run. It, I will say that at least their servers are a hell of a lot closer than anything uh Google and Microsoft has, as far as I know. I mean, they have literally three surrounding me uh, of their major uh, uh, data centers, and they are a lot more spread out, so they could do a global launch a lot easier than Google or Microsoft could. Because, yeah, like I said, they, this is going to run on their servers, uh, the uh, Amazon uh, uh, web servers, and everything sounds like it's a lot easier for our devs to be able to run their games on Luna than uh, xCloud or uh, Stadia. And does Stadia even have all the features that they promised on launch? I don't think... Last time I checked, I don't think so. But I don't know. It's been a few months since I've looked into it. I've thought about getting it to try it out because of their offering either, like I said, one or two months free. But I just... eh. What they have on offer is so, you know, paltry. I'm just like, oh, it's, it's fine. I've got more games. I got better games. I don't need this. Not even uh, worth going through the hassle to set it up. Uh, hang on. It looks like they got the safe state. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, yeah, they're just this well, past month, uh, whenever we're releasing this, because it is the last day of the month now. It looks like they just got safe states in. And Overall, uh, September 2020 saw a reasonable eight new titles uh, come to Stadia. <laughs> wow. Good for uh, them. Cheeky see. little fellows. Well, let's see. Hotline Miami. Hotline Miami 2. 
uh, Marvel's Avengers, Avengers, sorry. Oh, uh, well, you know, I get, well, they said eight new titles. They didn't say eight good titles. <laughs> right. NBA t- uh, 2K21, Rep- uh, Republic, which is, I think that's the, uh, just double checking that one. Yeah, it's a, a stealth game. Okay, uh, it's not the one I was thinking of. Uh, Serious Sam 4, also, like I said, didn't say they were good games. WWE 2K Battlegrounds, like I said, didn't say good games. And Uno. <laughs> right? Yes. I'm going to get this just for Uno now. Uh, yeah, I'm just... It, it, it's kind of pathetic looking at this, really, because... Uh, they're also talking about the uh, the free for pro members, yeah, you know, the ones that are paying the membership fee. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you get six games, and I think you keep access to them if you collect them. But it's uh, Celeste, which goes on sale very cheap, very often. Human Fall Flat, uh, Laura Croft, and the Temple of Osiris, which also goes on cheap very often. Uh, Dead by Daylight, Yorn which I don't know that one off the top of my head, and Super Hot Mind Control. That's just sad, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so, and more titles will be leaving Stadia Pro in October, including Monster Boy, Curse Kingdom, The Turing Test, and Metro 2033 Redux. Uh, this count now stands at 29 titles after these attempts. I'm sorry. 29 on the September 2020. Uh, update. So, Guilt Destiny 2, the collection, SteamWorld Big 2, SteamWorld Quest, uh, Hand of Gilgamet, or Gilgamesh, SteamWorld Dig, SteamWorld uh, Heist, uh, Un- Player Unknown's Battleground, Super Hot, uh, Little Nightmares, Power Rangers, Battle for the Grid, Panzer Dragoon uh, Remake, West uh, of Loathing, uh, Critia, Orcs Must Die 3, Strange Brigade, just Stripes and Beats, Rock of Ages 3, Make and Break, uh, Super Bomberman R Online, uh, Gunsport, Hitman, Hello Neighbor, Metro Last Light, Redux, uh, Ember, Dead by Daylight, Human Fall Flat, Super Hot, Mind Control, uh, Delete, uh, Lorecroft, Temple of Osiris, Celeste, and Yorn. Wow, right? Indeed. Indeed. I'm assuming that uh, this is uh, what's accessible for the subscription and not you know, their entire library. But that's still pathetic. I mean, yeah. a lot of those are indie titles that go on sale very, 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 very cheap. Let's put it this way. Republic. It has a historic low of five bucks. Uh, and it's currently nine ninety nine. Let's put it this way. Uh, the historic low was an 80% off of its launch price. And it's actually in a bundle right now that you can get for a dollar. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's the one I had to look up because I didn't recognize it off the top of my head. Oh, Stadia. I think this is just a case of engineers not knowing uh, what the general public wants, really. Uh, for Stadia, at least. Microsoft has been, uh, as far as I can tell, doing fairly well, but they're kind of under the radar because... It's included with Game Pass, so it's going to be interesting to see just what Luna does. Yeah. And how they could differentiate it. And hey, maybe Stadia could actually get all their fucking features into place, huh? 
That would be nice, but I don't have high hopes for Stadia at this point. Uh, it was uh, just hilarious watching uh, uh, E3 last year uh, and seeing all the ads for Stadia and, th- and talking about how awesome it is. And I'm just sitting there thinking, wow, you're, you're, you're going to have an ad that's full of blatant laws. I didn't realize this was uh, you know, uh, midday TV still selling some random shit. Or U.S. politics. Although, I, well, I do have to admit, uh, seeing the headline, Biden told Trump to uh, shut up, man. That made me smile. Me too. All right. So that does it for all of our topics for this week. It's 1230. So we, I would like to request to skip Discovery Q this week. Uh, let's go for it. Let's just uh, skip it this week. All right. Yeah, my, but I, well, I can see my Discovery Cube not terribly interested in it. So, okay. So then, uh, Rage, where can they contact us? Well, and I'll, you, I'll hit them with the socials. Or you can contact me on Twitter, GamingWithCR, or on Steam, Caffeine Rage, and they could contact you. Want to find me on the YouTubes? You can do so by searching for Game of Psychologist on Twitter at JMA4707. Or you can be my friend on Steam, jarthur4707. And if you wish to let me know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Traffic Jam. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I changed that last minute. Yeah, that is probably my biggest pet peeve is don't use just one fucking lane. Indeed. But sadly, oh. that, that's actually uh, realistic. Uh, but that's kind of beside the point. Uh, well, not once again, but if you wish to contribute to the show, you can contact us, vglpodcast at gmail.com. Tweet us, vglpodcast on the Twitter. Or, oh, sorry. Or contact us via our Discord, which you can find a link over on vglpodcast.podbean.com, which is provided for by our lovely, lovely, lovely patrons. You can find out more at patreon.com slash vglpodcast. Well, you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Yes, I'm kind of combining things. I'm tired. <laughs> That's all right. Me too. Uh, I think I covered everything. So uh, our intro and outro music is on the ground. My Kim McLeod, you find his work over <laughs> at incompetech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>